title of this flagship is going to be Kareem Attacks All Journalists for 45 Minutes Straight. <laughs> everybody and welcome to the crypto basic podcast today's episode is friday flagship number 34 this is being released on friday august the 24th of 2018 for those of you that are unfamiliar with the friday flagship this is our weekly episode where we discuss news current events and all the nonsense that gets tossed around in the cryptocurrency space joining me today are my two co-hosts brent philbin hey hey and kareem baruke <laughs> hello everybody all right, guys, let's get it started off with some weekly announcements. Hey, Brent, remember when you asked me before the R cryptocurrency recording on Tuesday if I thought the over or under was going to be 10 people showing up? Remember that? Oh, yeah. Wow. So <laughs> the I do remember that. We kind of crushed that. I would have lost that bet. Um, basically, so we did our like little test round in our Discord. We did, given we didn't like announce on the podcast or anything, nobody really showed up, but the. Uh, it, That's not true. We had. Well, we, we yeah, one person showed up. Show up. Sar showed up. Yep. And uh, we had a founding member show up. And they also said that the cryptocurrency subreddit is pretty dead. Well, I don't know if we revived it, but there were a lot of people <laughs> in there. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to take all the credit, but we, we went through and did a really cool, uh, really cool thing that we're going to do weekly on our cryptocurrency. Come by. There was a lot of action in the tri- in the chat. And there was a lot of. A lot of back and forth, and it was really cool. It's not something we can release as an episode because the quality of the audio isn't perfect. But look for it on Patreon when we launch that uh, soonish. I know we keep saying we're going to, but uh, yeah, we certainly were not responsible for reviving their Discord community, but we might have been responsible oh for reviving ninety percent of it. You know, let's keep it realistic here. <laughs> oh my goodness, we need an extra four slots here to accommodate you guys' egos. Uh, <laughs> I think we were responsible for like the for a pretty enjoyable hey, show. I counted at one I'll point <laughs> there were twenty eight people that showed up. I didn't even know twenty eight people listened to the show, so that's awesome. I, I hope it gets bigger. I hope it keeps going. We had a lot of uh, interaction. We answered a lot of questions. We covered some stories that are that were popular in that subreddit for the week. Honestly, it went really smooth. Yeah, there there were a lot more than uh, than twenty eight. There, I, I remember looking at one point. It took me a while to scroll, so I think we got some extras in there at some point. Anyway, it was, it was fun. So join us Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and we'll uh, we'll keep doing that. So something else we started doing recently, we recently uh, recorded Basic Attention Token 101. I believe that was released uh, today. Is that accurate? <clears throat> uh, yesterday. Well, today? well, we're recording on Thursday. It was released on it was released late Wednesday. I mean, it was like it was like I don't know four or five p.m. before we finally got that up. But already we've had something pointed out that we got wrong, as often happens on these one hundred ones. Uh, I mentioned that uphold.com had fees for leaving your money in there, and they used to, but they have gotten rid of it. Uh, Lumiflux pointed that out. They got rid of it a couple of months ago. So the they still have pretty hefty fees for moving your money around. And you still are required to use them if you want to be a content producer that gets paid in basic attention token. So the problems that I had with Uphold are still in existence. I really hope basic attention token moves away from them and I'll, I'll start to like them a lot more. But we, the dormancy fees are not there anymore. So you don't get charged just for having your money sitting there. And crypto, it's usually the opposite. Uh, usually your, your money that sits in custody gains over time. So that seemed 
like a very yeah. anti-crypto way to handle it. It was very, very banky. Uh, and then the following thing that I want to mention is the base contention token 101 was decided by a poll that we had in the Discord. So if you want to have a voice in which coins we're going to be talking about in the future, join the Discord. We're going to throw up a poll probably after we record this, but before the flagship comes out. So you'll be able to vote and it, it'll just be a straw poll. So come in, check it out and voice your opinion. Last but not least for the announcements, looks like our contest is coming to an end soon here, Brent. When when are we going to announce the final yeah. winner? What are we doing here? Uh, Kareem's over there yaw- like doing like a pretend yawn like he like he didn't want to talk about this, but he did. Um, now, listen, if this if this bull market goes crazy in the next week, uh, you and I have a shot to overtake him because we're definitely a favorite in a bull market. But um, the <laughs> the allegedly. We, we've seen ne- no proof, but allegedly. But the next flagship will come out, and it'll be the day before this happens. So I'm just saying that Kareem, you know, based on what we see, it's very likely you should come up with a very good punishment for us. It can be video. It can be audio. Uh, we Somebody, whoever gets last, needs to be, you know, eating dirt. So you, uh, you come yeah, up with something. Yeah, remember all those that times over the last six months dirt. where we've said, nah, this is a monthly one. It's, it's not that serious. Uh, unfortunately it's getting that serious and i'm a little nervous so all right so here's the one thing i will say guys if uh if somehow after being in the lead literally for the entire contest on the last week you guys both passed me and then i end up losing having to do some kind of contest i'm gonna quit the podcast just a heads up oh one time no not even a little worried all right i'll have to come up with something good Sometimes you know what? Actually, sometimes I have to tell the audience to take it easy with some of their suggestions. You know what? Don't take it easy this time. We're gonna have to embarrass Mike or Brent. Actually, I want to say uh, something to the audience on this topic, and I know Kareem feels this, and I want to make sure anybody listening knows this as well. There probably needs to be a separate punishment for Brent and I because there's almost nothing that's gonna humiliate both of us. It's you know we don't no, no, we don't no, no, mind no, no, doing yeah, no. things. This has to we be- have very little shame. We don't buy being assholes. All that's fine. So I really no, think no, there no. needs Listen. to be predetermined separate punishments for myself versus Brent. Michael, Michael, this punishment, it will not be like Model T in factory. It will be like Lamborghini custom crafted for whoever is the loser. For example, if Brent loses, you know, maybe we make him get a tattoo of Bitcoin private on his face or something like on his like right here, like a little tear in the eye, but it's a Bitcoin private logo. <laughs> or you could date a girl with curly hair. Put it, put it next to my Annie Up tattoo. Oh my God, stop <laughs> it. Oh yes, no, we get JJ to just curly hair JJ for a month. JJ can curl her hair for a month. <laughs> um, Permanent curls. Yeah, we, he has that A tattooed on his back for Annie Up. I wonder if we could work something in with that. Yes. Uh, oh, B for Bitcoin private. And then we just see how far down the alphabet <laughs> Brent gets. Losing pets. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, for, for just a, a quick side note, what I have one exactly one tattoo, which I got because I write for Annie up the like one of the poker magazines, and we were on one of the cruises. The owner of the magazine, Scott Long, got me drunk and took me to a tattoo parlor in Mexico where he then placed immense peer pressure on me to make me get this tattoo on my back of his company logo so the only tattoo i have on my body is an advertisement for any fucking show yeah (laughs) jesus 
<laughs> like there is no greater shill than tattooing the company. Well, I got a ladybug on, on my back. chest, bro. Hey, what are you, how are you gonna compete with that? Hey, in a, in America, if you don't get tattoo of your company, then you don't love your company. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, oh by boy. the way, Brandon, I started watching Glow. It was a good. It was a good recommendation. She's funny. <laughs> Side note: Glow is very good. All right, guys, ready yeah, to move on to the news? To watch it. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm ready. All right, sounds good. It appears that we have an arrest oh, in the BitConnect I- case. But there's a little bit of speculation on whether or not this is the haymaker that the community was looking for. What are your thoughts, Brent? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? BitConnect leader! Arrested? <laughs> uh, which actually is... Okay, so so this guy, Divyesh Darji, <laughs> was arrested in connection with BitConnect. Dude wasn't a leader. He was just a really loud outspoken proponent of BitConnect. He was operating out of the Burj Khalifa, which is the massive building in Dubai that is like Not the to biggest. be confused with Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> yeah. Wiz, <laughs> Wiz, Wiz, just a guy. Black and yellow, black and yellow, it, black so and yellow. So <laughs> the fact that he was operating out of the most like ornate thing on planet Earth, Doing the most obnoxious thing on planet Earth makes perfect sense. But anyway, this dude was arrested. He wasn't a BitConnect leader. We still don't know who they are, but always nice to see these people go down. We talked about this on that R cryptocurrency thing. And one thing we came to the conclusion was that Carlos Matos has a special place in my heart. I don't know about the rest of you. I don't know how happy I'd be to see him arrested. I kind of like, I kind of, in my mind, he got fucked just like everybody else. And, he was also I mean, like, think of what his wife is probably saying right now. <laughs> Do you think he has a wife right now? Uh, yeah. If, so if he record, has a wife, that man's life is over. This was funny because uh, we were discussing this in the Our Cryptocurrency event. And just to troll, I was like, oh, well, probably Carlos. Who knows? Do people really want to see him arrested? And Mike's like, of course they want to see him arrested. And I was like, all right, show of hands. And probably like it was like. Down the middle, 50% of people coming in like, that mfr has got to go to jail. And the next person's like, absolutely not. Free Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, uh, a weird place in people's hearts for him in particular. He's a little too iconic. Let us know. Let us know what you think about Carlos. We want to know where yeah. the community what is stands your on this. I Please can't find a single redeeming quality. I, don't, I literally have no idea what you guys are defending here. No, we're not no defending redeeming anything, quality. Mike. He's just a... No, listen, I'm not even saying that I don't want to see him go to jail. I'm saying that he's a meme, and it's interesting that his memeiness gives him a weird layer of... I'm not even asking, do you think he should go to jail? I'm saying, would you be happy to see him Extremely. arrested? Yeah, well, some people <laughs> okay, wouldn't. fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. He's provided so much joy in my <laughs> to like rub it in the face of any of the BitConnect issues like he i feel like he was so obviously ridiculous that it helped matters like he became like the the funny way to show people that bitconnect was scam. i don't know we'll see i don't even know like what happened what his story was if he got if he got screwed or he didn't dude how he didn't much get he had screwed, signed up man. come on he was the announcer he's well maybe who knows like maybe he was so dumb that they he paid him in connect tokens or some shit like oh my god <laughs> that <laughs> conference was just a bunch of like people on stage who like were yelling about BitConnect and there was like nobody in the audience. So it Mike, was. Mike, didn't uh, you run into him somewhere in the street? I don't get the reference. Oh, uh, what? You guys are the worst. I'm referencing the Crypto Basic podcast. What a bunch of clowns you guys are. 
That was in our terms episode. Man, let's move on to the next story. Oh, wow. That was a... Th- okay. Yeah, I still don't even know what you're talking about. In the terms episode... Brent made us pretend that I was Carlos Matos and you ran into him on the street and we acted it out. That just sounds like another Tuesday morning to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. We have a little bit of drama inside of BitTorrent. Uh, Brent was particularly excited to find this this morning. What are your thoughts? As usual, went on a little bit of a roller coaster of emotion. I saw the I saw the article, and the article was that the BitTorrent inventor, along with top level employees, have quit in protest of Justin Sun acquiring BitTorrent. And I'm just laughing my ass off. I'm thinking like, of course they Hooray. did. Like <laughs> that that makes perfect sense because we had talked about the fact that hey, maybe Tron could like buy enough good people to make a good company out of it. It turns out it's not quite that simple, as always. And, you know, you, you see the headline and, you're in, if you don't click and read the article and then read the comments and read the next article and figure out what's really happening, you might have a different idea in your head. So here's what actually happened. Bram Cohen is the inventor of Bitcoin. Or, I'm sorry, Bitcoin. <laughs> BitTorrent. He's Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> wow, yeah, this guy's awesome. Uh, so he left the project... And he made he made a public statement saying, I have no involvement with Tron, but it turns out it's because he has been working on his own cryptocurrency and it's called Chia. So, like, yeah, I don't know how big of a principled stand this is when it's literally just like, no, these guys are competing coin. I'm, I'm making my own coin. So uh, three of the other employees left for reasons unknown. It seems like they may have done it because of Justin Sun or they may be doing it because because they're uh, working with uh, Bram Cohen at at Chia. Uh, and then two of the employees were fired. So maybe they were fired because they tried to take some sort of principal stand. We don't know why. We know that tr- that Tron slash BitTorrent are actively looking for new employees. They're looking to hire 30 more people. So they they fired the people for not like laying off reasons. They weren't like, okay, we're going to lay off some of you people because we just acquired the company. So it's like the opposite of what usually happens in acquisitions. Anyway, uh, take everything you read with a slight grain of salt. And definitely, definitely watch what happens with with BitTorrent now that the guy who invented it is gone. So, Brent, I have a quick question for you. The guy that invented BitTorrent, which I would argue was probably one of the greatest decentralized programs of our generation. Like, I, I can't think of a single thing that comes to mind right away as a greater decentralized product. If this guy is making his own crypto, I'm going to take a look at it eventually. I mean, certainly not short term. Same reason we don't cover a lot of, you know, one-on-ones that are really down in market cap because it's going to be too early to tell for a while. But if this ends up becoming anything close to what BitTorrent was as far as the movement is concerned, then this has a lot of potential in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about the coin. I have, I didn't even like look, I didn't even click on the link or anything. It could be, it could be something important. It could be a complete shit coin. I don't know. But it was interesting that it seemed like the community was saying it was principled, but really it's, it's not, nah, man, I've been working on my own coin. Why did you buy my company? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. When Brent said this story, I thought the same thing. Like, oh, wow, that's pretty sick, you know, multi-million dollar buy and you're just walking away out of principle. No, you're walking away out of competition. That's cool. Whatever. Like you said, Mike, he is an interesting, like if you created BitTorrent, sure, we'll definitely give whatever you create next a look, but it makes the story a little less exciting. All right, next up on the news section, uh, we pretty regularly discuss 
how crypto is going to remove middlemen from the equation. But currently, there's a couple stories about some custody issues with middlemen in the crypto space. Brent, what are your thoughts here? There's always these stories that are going on with middlemen and cryptocurrency. But I felt like one of the things that I do to find content for the for the Friday flagship is I check like my curated Reddit information and I look at the top stories of the week and see if there's anything that's not a meme or whatever that I can add to our outline, right? Well, two of the top three stories of the week were about a different middleman holding crypto hostage and looking very unlikely that these people are going to get it back. So this is just another one of those times where we need to talk about keeping money on exchanges, using middlemen. Just be very careful. Crypto is supposed to eliminate this, and it is it, it is very likely that it will someday. It's not there yet, and the middlemen are taking a lot of advantage. So localbitcoins.com used to be like the way to do it. Like This is how you got your Bitcoin. You would have to find somebody that you could go hand cash to that would send you a Bitcoin, or you would PayPal, and there was like this whole reputation system. They are holding one user's nine Bitcoin in escrow since 2015. They had a very long post explaining all the different things they did. They had screenshots uh, that this one is very specifically seems real. Uh, they've got lawyers involved. Basically, now that, that's one thing. But what's interesting is apparently when local Bitcoin started taking know your customer requirements they all of a sudden started asking people for their ids and stuff like that they started to tank their kind of volume like people didn't want to use them anymore so the overarching thought in the comments of that reddit now it doesn't mean that it's right but i'm just kind of reporting what i was reading as the overarching thought is that local bitcoins is probably close to insolvent because they aren't getting the volume that they were getting before so they don't think this person's ever going to get their funds back. And they think that very likely you should avoid local Bitcoins. I do not know the veracity of that, but it seemed to make sense based on what I was seeing. And it's important to note that while a lot of exchanges, when a problem like this happens, like you're saying, hey, I just got hacked on Binance and you post on Reddit, it gets to the top. Binance takes care, takes care of it like immediately, right? This has not been touched. This guy's post got to the top of the subreddit. They didn't come in and do anything about it. In fact, the CEO of Paxful, which is the direct competitor to local Bitcoins, came in and said, like, hey, we don't have KYC over here. Made a long post that uh, explained kind of why they had to do it. He knows the guys. He doesn't think they're trying to scam anybody, but they may be in a position where they may not be able to give these Bitcoins out. So uh, a lot of the community thinks if you're going to go the local Bitcoins route, you should check out Paxful. Check it out. Do your own research. Um, the second thing is the there's another user that had $700,000 in a Quadriga CX account, which is another which is a smallish exchange. It's a Canadian exchange, that, I'm pretty sure. Uh, they uh, okay. So they they had 700,000 US dollar equivalent in there in Bitcoin and it was closed without explanation. Um, their post was a lot less like screenshotty and all that stuff that would prove what they're saying and it's a very large claim nobody responded from their team and the the poster didn't do a ton of like interaction inside the thread so take it with a grain of salt but the fact that two of the top three posts are people having their money held hostage by third parties again just we say it all the time don't put any money in an exchange that you would be upset if it disappeared 
because it's an unfortunate fact of life in the crypto community right now. A real quick story that I want to share that um, this reminded me of, and I just I, I'm going to put a tinfoil hat on for a second and just kind of like pick your guys' brains and see um, if there's any validity to this connection I'm making. So I was hearing a story. Um, I think I was at the poker table talking with some people and like uh, one of the guys was a bookie and we ended up telling stories about, you know, sports betting back in the 80s, 90s, like how different things were with all the evolutions of the Internet. And he told me about a scam that I found super interesting. And this this makes super sense in a sports betting arena. But for some reason, I'm making a similar connection here and I just want your thoughts. The idea behind it was. Um, the, t- the people that touted picks, the guys that said, Oh, I'm a professional sports better. I beat this, that, and the other. Um, I'm great. Pay me all this money and I'll do this for you. What they did would they would take something like a thousand customers and they would have two shell companies and they would split it 500, 500 and they'd pick a game and they'd give 500 people one side of the game and the other 500, the other side of the game. So every week you would create 500 winners and the goal was to get that next 500 winners, divide them in half, give another half of those guys winners, and then another half of those guys winners. So my thoughts are here. I find it really interesting that their competition is coming in and saying, oh, no, they're great guys. Nothing to worry about here. All of this is fine. It's it's not me. You can come to me. This is easy. In a way, it's almost like... It seemed like a door is opening to actually allow that company to dissolve and maybe like shift their profitability over to another company and just kind of take the scam and exit scam in that sense and kind of maybe keep the same clientele and move them over. Again, this sounds ridiculous. I understand, but it's the first thing I thought of. And either of you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I don't without doing any research. I don't think that that would be a thing that's happening with this in particular, but. I believe you're 100% correct with all the all the shills and all the traders out there. I guarantee you there are traders doing the exact same thing with cryptocurrency. They are sending out a newsletter to 5,000 subscribers where, you know, 500 of them are getting grouped into saying this is the coin you need to pick, this is the coin you need to pick. After they get enough of them right, they have a targeted group that they can say, "Hey, you guys need to pay for our advice. We've gotten everything right so far." It's it's a it's a scam in everything. Like, when's the last time a poker dealer told you about a horse that they thought was going to win a po- uh, a horse race? Right? They've done that on every table that they've gone to, and they've said that to, about a different horse. We've, we we have a friend that we play fantasy football with that does that same shit. Like, I don't know if he knows he does it, no, but, but he does. It's, it's so interesting because when the person wins, they feel like you're a genius, and when they lose, they're just like, whatever, it was a horse. And yeah. I don't know. And and then what they do, what what they'll often do, uh, those people that are hanging out in the the track, they'll go around and tell ten different people, ten different horses, and be like, hey, if this if this comes in, like, you know, you owe me something for the tip. And then, oh, well, one of the guys' horses won. Okay, give me give me like five bucks or whatever. And that's how they kind of. That's why the horse racing is so like dingy and scummy, and so many nasty people around it all the time. The uh, that it's such a weird thing. Like, I don't know if I. I don't know if every track is the same, but most of the tracks that I've been to, you like you see the the horse racing crowd and you're like, what the fuck? Like this might have been I guess this was like a cool thing that was interesting years and years ago, but now it's like I don't know, horse racing doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about horse racing. It's like Yeah, so one and the crazy thing here, Brian, with this story is 
also the amount of money, right? Because it wasn't even a major exchange, which yeah. is kind of insane to me that somebody would keep three quarters of a million dollars in Bitcoin. In like, if you're if you're in this space, you know that the mantra, at least for most people, as it, to be safe, is to use hard wallets. Now you're choosing to keep it on exchange. On top of that, you're keeping you're keeping life-changing money. I mean, I don't know his personal finances or her personal finances, obviously, but 700K for most people is most and they'll make in a decade. And it's not even a major exchange. That's insanity to me. If you're going to keep a million dollars or $700,000 in exchange, at least do it on Binance or Coinbase so that if something happens, you have leverage over a major, major exchange trying to cover its reputation, not something that three guys that run a crypto podcast haven't even heard of probably <laughs> you know what i'm saying like how obscure are you gonna go with three quarters of a million one dollars? thing that i just want to add really quickly is that canadians have a ton of trouble with crypto and i believe this is literally one of the only options they have they cannot use binance they cannot use coinbase we have a, we have a mutual friend Kareem, oh. that lives in canada and yeah yeah He's probably one of the number one people that have asked me to buy Bitcoin over the counter because he just has no options. And, you know, somebody that wants to move any relevant amount of money from one direction to the other, I'm pretty sure Canadians are like super restricted. And, and that conversation is no more than three months old or so. That doesn't make it better. But I, I, from what I understand, Canadians have very limited options. No, no, no. Look, that, that does make a lot of sense. And, and it explains the situation a little bit. It's just... It's an extremely unfortunate situation uh, that... It's a lot of money to have somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they should. They are the 83rd exchange uh, out of the top 100 exchanges according to CoinMarketCap. Not that I like to go there, but I just did it because it was the easiest place for me to check. So that, that means that they're... That, that you know to to put that in perspective, like KuCoin is fifty six, so they're thirty spots below KuCoin. KuCoin, and that maybe if they only service Canadians, that kind of makes sense. But yeah, be very careful about that. All right, for our next story, uh, I've usually tr I've tried to stop making my transitions that include an assumption for the story and the direction you're going to go. However, Kareem, uh, I have some op opinions on this topic going into this story, and I'm curious what your research has told you about the rumors for this. Bitmain potentially launching an IPO. Your thoughts? Yeah, so they are thinking about launching an IPO. The story that I found was just talking about them raising money and their potential valuation and then some of the, let's say, controversy. So Bitmain, as a reminder for most people, is that company that has a lot of um, mining hardware and they also do a lot of mining. They're Beijing-based. So they were looking to raise $18 billion for their IPO, which if they managed to do it, would put their total valuation, if they went public, between 40 and 50 billion. So I wanted to have a little bit of a reference point. Okay, how big is that, right? Well, 40 and 50 billion, to give you guys an idea, T-Mobile uh, is around 55, Tesla's around 55, 21st Century Fox is around 50. Um, it would also make them bigger than eBay and Electronic Arts. So pretty big, that kind of puts it into context, obviously not. Uh, <laughs> not trillion dollars big like Apple, but still pretty big. And uh, according to Forbes, um, last quarter or last year, Bitmain earned $2.5 billion. I had a question for you guys, a little game show, because I had fun with the Malta thing last time. So I'm going to be doing more of that. Uh, I saw an interesting statistic. So I want you guys to guess what percentage of 
Bitmain's revenue do you think came from mining operations as opposed to what percentage of their revenue came from selling mining hardware? Ooh, you don't, you want to be the one selling the pickaxes, Kareem. You don't want to be the one using them. So I'm going to say look at that. 65%, Bob. You're, Brent, just to clarify, you're saying 65, 35, 65% is sales of equipment. 35% yes. is mining operations. All right. Sure. Yeah. Michael Lucky, we're moving on to you. And Michael, it says here uh, that uh, you love long walks on the beach. That's nice. Why? Anyway. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I. It's Bob. I, I'm all the names. <laughs> He's whoever I need him to be in the story. That's right. That Thank is correct. You, you are. Jeez, I, I, my instinct would have said less than Brent's number, but you framed it in such a way that I'm having a lot of trouble not rebidding. But I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pass. That's not an option, Bob. <laughs> Fuck right. you, Trebek. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so Mike guesses zero uh, percent for both. <laughs> All right. No, if listen, I, do, so if I had to pick I, my own number, I would say thirty-five percent is from sales. Flip them. All right. So, so I was shocked when I saw this. Are you guys ready for this? 97% of their revenue came from sales of equipment. Wow. Less than 3% of Bitmain's revenues came from mining operations. <laughs> my so, question is boom. actually my, my response. And one of the things that I found privately as a counter discussion point to this topic, if Bitmain wanted to get liquid, they would have to sell so much Bitcoin that it would effectively crash the market. It's similar to how, um, what was the Mt. Gox when they had to sell all these Bitcoin to, to pay people off. That was one of the many, um, sliding, you know, rocks that created the snowball effect for, you know, the market that we've been in 2018. If Bitmain actually tried to sell the amount of Bitcoin that they have access to, it would be a disaster. So one of the theories is if we do an IPO, we can retain custody of this and we can sell it more over the counter without letting exchanges like really mess with the pricing of it, which I found particularly interesting. Yeah. The, so that's independent, right? Because they should have some form of liquidity, especially if most of their revenue is coming from over the counter equipment sales. So they should have some, but you're right. The article did touch on the fact that they have a lot of Bitcoin locked up and they also have a lot of Bitcoin cash uh, locked sure. up, which is kind yeah, of have, like, part of the significantly more Bitcoin cash, right? Significantly more Bitcoin cash, right? So, all right. So the Blockstream CEO actually was one of the people that had a huge problem with Bitmain, and he said that basically the fact that they have a ton of Bitcoin cash is an added risk to investors. Now, of course, we know Blockstream's positions, right? Like Brent, you gave us a story a few weeks back. About I believe Adam Back or Adam Black I, I forget his name ba but he was like Back flipping through. out on somebody, yeah, just because they didn't call him Bitcoin Cash. So Blockstream is this company that's super super anti Bitcoin Cash. No B Cash. They said, didn't say B Cash. Sorry, they, yeah. they got to use the slur, Kareem. If you don't call B Cash B Cash, then you don't even deserve to own Bitcoin. Yeah, then you're in the pocket of Roger Ver. Um, <laughs> so anyway, he said, "quote the bit." main IPO is an incredibly risky uh, venture for any investor. The potential for massive losses is just around the corner as they have no idea how to maintain Bitcoin cash, but they are all in. Play stupid games, win stupid prices. 
So to the specific numbers, Mike, they hold 22,000 Bitcoin and they have 1 million Bitcoin cash. So, you know, those those are physical numbers, not dollar numbers, right? That's correct. That's like how many actual coins they have. Here's one of the things that I, I thought was kind of interesting, though. The article itself, uh, and let me see, who was the source? Okay, the source was bravenewcoin.com who had this article. But then, look, the article says, what needs to be noted, however, is that Bitmain bought its Bitcoin cash holdings at an average of 900, which means it's been forced to book sustainable losses in Bitcoin cash as it's now worth blah, 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 550. And all I'm thinking to myself is like, okay, yeah, but the same thing applies to those 22,000 Bitcoin. Like, Bitcoin is worth a third of what it used to be. What's your point? Look, trust me, anybody who listens to the show knows I'm not like pro-Bitcoin cash and against Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is But did they invest into Bitcoin or did they just mine them? It sounded like they invested into Bitcoin cash. I mean, that would be a good point, but I don't know. Sure. I don't know the detail into like how much of it was investment, how much of it was mine. Ha- now, I'm, I'm kind of guessing here, but I think what happened is, I don't know if you guys remember like last year where there was like a day where Bitcoin cash just like surged towards Bitcoin yes. and people were yeah, talking about like the fact that it may overtake it. Yeah, I don't remember what Bitcoin was at the time, <laughs> but it was the closest they'd ever been. And I think that is when Bitmain started to acquire I, I mean, I'm not sure, but I think that that's when they, you know, drove the price up. It, there was all these conspiracy theories about it calling up, op, calling it Operation Dragon Slayer and all this stuff where oh, they yes. were like, it was supposed Operation to be intentional Dragon. to, uh, anyway, the, the, just to put that in, uh, in perspective, the, um, they sold the, the Mt. Gox trustee sold almost four times that, the, the entire amount of regular Bitcoin that, uh, that Bitmain has. So I'd be more worried about them crashing the Bitcoin cash market than the Bitcoin market. Right. But they're also gaining future Bitcoin. They're still mining it. How many do they make a day? I have no idea. I don't know. 3% of the revenue. Yeah, but that's the thing. Exactly. Exactly. They're operating, you know, this to me makes it feel like they're operating with different goals in sight than just being the people who mine the most Bitcoin. And look, there's actually... The way that this transitions off into two different paths that I found interesting is on the one hand, um, I mentioned to you guys about, uh, Brent corrected me on how to pronounce this, NVIDIA, right? (laughs) I was saying NVIDIA. But like NVIDIA, for example, has already said that in part, it looks like because of the increased competition uh, from things like Bitmain, that they don't expect their sales to continue to improve because of cryptocurrency and mining. And as a matter of fact, they've already like seeing those revenues go way down. So there's, that's not something that they're going to focus on. And then the CEO of Bitmain specifically said that their number one goal right now is geared towards AI, which I thought was really interesting. On the one hand, they are doing some acquisitions because supposedly they want to create an ecosystem for Bitcoin Cash. So it does seem like they're committed to doing something with Bitcoin Cash. However, on the other side, he says that he estimates 40% of Bitmain's revenue within five years, will come from AI, manufacturing AI chips and things of that nature. So pretty cool, pretty interesting. Wow, I wonder how they plan to accomplish that. Do they, I don't know, that, that sounds interesting. I mean, look, AI is a very interesting thing. We've all had our philosophical debates on it, but I, I am definitely interested in seeing it happen. It sounds like an interesting roundtable. It could I be. Mean, it is happening. <laughs> No, I mean, you know what I mean. Like the the real, you know, the the Turing test, artificial intelligence, General at some point, AI. will be interesting to see. Right, but 
But it's also important. The, the main reason I clarify that, though, is because just because he's saying that 50% or 40% of their revenue is going to come from AI, then it's important that we don't superimpose on that our idealized versions of AI and understand that there's probably lots of things that are already considered AI that he's qualifying as that. You know what I'm saying? Like if they're the main like chip used for a primary virtual assistant somewhere, that's probably most of their revenue coming from AI. Yeah. Did they mention how much is coming yeah, from AI sense. currently? No, this looks, from what I saw, this looks like it's just a plan of where they're gotcha. going. Sounds reasonable. It sounds like a very logical next evolutionary step in technology. Oh, and by the way, if they do get that 18 billion, this will be the like one of the top five largest IPOs of all time. They would be behind Alibaba, but ahead of Facebook as far as opening IPO. Alrighty, let's move on from that. Uh, speaking of philosophical discussions, it appears that the courts are deciding what can and cannot be accepted as bail up to and including crypto. Brent, your thoughts? So this was this is interesting. The way this was presented again in the article was uh, that courts are accepting crypto for bail. And now, but really what happens is federal court has always been able to accept whatever they want for bail. Uh, they can they can accept um, they can accept cash, they can accept a house, they can accept a car, they can accept whatever they think is going to get you to show up for your day in court. So they will use whatever the, whatever leverage is the most uh, leverage. So <laughs> I wasn't really sure what word to use there. Nailed it. So anyway, what they did for this guy, this guy was like a hacker that was attacking like uh, different digital items like games and they wanted him to show up for his trial. So uh, they made him put up 750k worth of Bitcoin. So that, yep, that's uh, now, now the federal court is hodling the Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> wouldn't you know so, it just anyway, fucking the, buying up it all that's those scumbags uh, <laughs> <laughs> jokes on them it was like 200k bail when you guys took it but it's like a third of that now I'm not showing up yeah so anyway this isn't like now all of a sudden you can post bail in bitcoin this is one time that a court said you pay in bitcoin and in the like it's it's a federal court, not a lo- like not a local jurisdiction, which can't do it. So local ones have to use cash. So the do you guys ever get sorry, Brent? Do you ever get the feeling that journalists <laughs> lie and <laughs> sensationalize headlines? It just feels like I don't know. I've been noticing it since at least last month for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. probably. Title of this flagship is going to be Kareem attacks all journalists for forty five minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> We could make the title of this episode, The SEC Denied the ETFs Again. Any surprise there? (laughs) Uh, So it was surprising for me because I had been reading a bunch of positive news saying that this ETF was likely to get approved. So now that I've actually read up about journalists, what (laughs) I just tell you about journalists, Brent. What what actually happened is I read up on why it was not approved. And honestly, we should have seen this coming. So remember when we as a podcast a long time ago, people were talking about Ripple getting put on Coinbase and we, we right away were like, guys, this is never going to happen. They're not going to put Ripple on Coinbase because if you just look at their terms and conditions, Ripple does not qualify unless they change those. Ripple is not something that's or sorry, XRP is not going to be something that's ever added to Coinbase until this changes. When it does, we'll let you know. And then maybe XRP 
could possibly be looked at to be put on Coinbase. Um, and, and then, of course, there was like when they finally figured out that it wasn't going on there, everybody was so surprised. And we're like, guys, we've been telling you this for, for months, right? So if we had done our research, which we didn't do because, one, I, I'm not all that excited about the ETFs. It, it's going to be nice if and when they happen, but you know they're they're not like the be all end all for me. I'm not in crypto to to see it get taken by an ETF, right? So the the reason they were declined is because they have unidentifiable participants that can influence the market. They cannot control what happens when the market gets manipulated, and the SEC putting out a agreeing to an ETF. For a commodity or whatever you want to call Bitcoin, a currency uh, that can be manipulated by the fact that Bitmain has, you know, 20,000 and wants to sell the price, like, or pump and dump groups or everything that is affecting the price of cryptocurrency, and they can't do any research to figure out how to prosecute this, then yeah, it's a very, the, the trading markets in the United States are very regulated for a reason and Bitcoin is supposed to be a reason to get away from that because there's been a lot of corruption that has come out of that. But in the meantime, it's not surprising that something that cannot be regulated by definition is making waves as not being approved by the by, by the SEC for an ETF. So now they, the language in the rest of it made it seem like if you can find a way around this, we're totally cool with it. But I don't see any way around that because that's what Bitcoin was designed for. So we, I, we will probably see an XRP ETF before we see a Bitcoin one. Well, a lot of people were collectively holding their breaths. Um, looks like stop holding your breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the market did not react by you know a negative thirty percent or whatever, which you know. The, it seemed like any tiny bad news for for weeks there was like boom, blam. Yeah, I know Kareem isn't paying attention to that, but the rest of us, you know, happen to check our portfolios every now and then. So for anybody who missed one of our roundtable episodes, I think Kareem just was like, oh, yeah, uh, Ethereum's still $800, right? It, it, it hadn't been $800 for months. I don't think months, those were my words. I don't think those were my exact words, but I love that Brent's going to tell this story every single episode and it's going to get slightly different every single time. Like, well, by the time, no, like, every by time Flagship 100 comes around, it's going to be like, man, remember when Kareem thought Ethereum was 2000 and it was only 200? <laughs> yeah, he, he even made a bet. He bet right on the show. I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, look, it's happening. Well, I'm not going to say it every week, but I'm going to slowly move well that taken, number. And also, I'll add that you, we think that certain news affect the price, but we really don't know. What happens is that the price moves and then yeah. everybody just starts scrambling for the closest data point that they can find and say oh this is what moved it except for the fact that they move every single day and often randomly so it just becomes a little i don't want to say pointless and sometimes you can't connect it right like a coin gets announced that they're going to be on coinbase and they go up 20 percent that like that day okay you could kind of do a connection but don't forget that most movement is random random as in randomness <laughs> or tied to, tied to emotional know. responses right like that is a yeah, form of random emotional res 
yeah, emotional responses, everything. Remember, it, it was it was very interesting that random walk theory that we talked about during our investment strategies episode, where it's just saying that even if you assume everybody gets given the information, people are investing at a different time, waking up at a different time, getting their funds liquidated, like everything in each investor's life is so random that the series of events that leads to the current specific price fluctuation is totally unpredictable. Uh, I'm going to pull this up real quick, but I, I was checking our... Twitter and I read I retweeted something from Anthony Lusardi who has been on the show before and I think we're gonna have him on the show again. Don't quote me on that. We were literally just talking about it in a DM. So that would I'm be, gonna quote you on that. You better get Anthony on the show. Anthony wants to come on the show. He's great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I uh, it, his his tweet. I'm I'm loading Twitter. It's being very slow. Hold on a second here. All right. So what he said was, I'll believe TA the moment someone can show me functions and not of bunch of wiggle doodles on a daddle chart <laughs> which was like literally the best way to explain this ever so uh yeah like it's if the if there was a function to predict the price movements then yeah no it wouldn't it wouldn't be being shown on a chart full of green and red and yellow and purple and tyrannosaurus rex lines well I'm actually going to interrupt you because I went ahead and looked at his Twitter as well while we were waiting for you. And he actually had something else to say on the exact topic we're covering. So I'm just going to throw that in here for fun. Uh, Regarding the ETFs, he said, for the record, no, Bitcoin doesn't need anything in particular, but it does need adoption and mindshare. Things like ETFs get that, gets us that, though not always in the best form. So I think that is a very wise tweet and I wanted to share it. Be careful what Hmm. you wish for with ETFs, I believe, is his overall message. Yeah, like they- well, I also opened up Anthony's Twitter, and just for fun, <laughs> I'll point out that there is a picture of Shaq holding men's lotion. So, there you go, Michael. Yeah, think about that. You're welcome. He said this bot is trolling me. Apparently, there was a bot just uh, following him around with pictures of Shaq or something. We'll have to ask him about that on the show. <laughs> we have to lead off the round table with that story, no question. <laughs> yeah, so tell us about the Shaq bot. <laughs> Isn't there a really cool Shaq meme uh, where he's like he's like doing his eyebrows and it like zooms in on him? Dude, that's like one of my favorite memes of all time. Or gifts, maybe. I love Shaq. What a character. Yep. Alrighty. So our final news section of the day is gonna involve Bach coming to the crypto markets. What is Wall Street trying to accomplish here, Brent? I think it's backed. Uh and I think the reason it's called that is because Remember when we said a couple weeks ago Starbucks might have been involved in something, New York Stock Exchange creating a thing? Well, they released a little bit more information. It's going to be called Backed, and I think it's going to be called Backed. Even though it's B-A-K-K-T, I think it's called that because everything is going to be fully collateralized on there. There will be no paper trading. So there are no futures. There's no margin trading. Everything is fully backed by, uh, by the Bitcoin asset that it's going to be trading. Now... Apparently, there's one day future contracts, maybe, but otherwise, no. And this is all very preliminary. This is just the CEO posting Medium articles about it. Uh, you can check out the show notes for that. But uh, it, basically, they, they're they not going to do what many other exchanges are doing and try to go the, the classical route of margin trading and futures contracts. So interesting, interesting to see that. And... Uh, the New York Stock Exchange very specifically saying that they don't want to do that is pretty cool. And hey, maybe this is a good place to start an ETF. I don't know. It actually sounds like a very smart way to um, solidify yourself as like 
kind of like a safe player by the rules. You know what I'm saying? No crazy game. Like a lot of the things that are going to get thrown at yeah. this. It, it's an interesting play. I kind of like it actually. Yeah, it's basically going to make them very easy to regulate, I think. Yeah. And they want to make things as easy as possible on regulators. Yeah, and they also know that the first one that gets in for real, like locked in, is going to have first mover advantage. I mean, even just like look at Binance and Coinbase, how much they grew. So these guys are like, yeah, screw all those derivatives. Let's just get locked in as the um, the platform of choice for this, you know? Yeah, I, I that's I, I'm going to be... Interested to watch Bact have it evolve and create its working ecosystem. It should be cool. All right, guys, we're ready for crypto around the world. So first up, uh, apparently there's a payment processor in Australia that's interesting in accepting Bitcoin in exchange for paying your bills for you, Brent. Your thoughts. Yeah, you'll never believe how I came about this article, Mike. It, the article said, you can now pay your bills using Bitcoin in Australia. <laughs> and, and, End of story. Yeah, geez, that sounded amazing, right? That sounded like, man, mass adoption. Like, this is great. No, of course, it's, another, it's a third party that will pay your bills for you if you give them crypto. Now, the reason this works in Australia, I guess, is like, Billing is super easy to handle there. You can go to a site and put in like your billing number and just pay your bill like through a third party pretty easily. Uh, it, at least that's what it looked like to me when I was doing this research, which makes sense. Like who's going to – I can't steal your money by paying your bill if I want to go pay your bill for you. Okay, let's do it. So what actually was happening is this the company called Go GoBill – I thought it was GoBill, but there's an extra B in there and that's not a typo – is the is a payment processor for people to pay their bills. And if you would like to do auto pay at your bank, that's similar, but this is like a third-party company that's doing it. They partnered with Cointree Exchange, and now you can use your crypto with them. But of course, even that isn't even news because they're not even the first ones to do this. Uh, there's, there's a company called Living Room of Satoshi that's been doing it for years in Australia. Super clean interface on the website, uh, and it's real, like... You just go there and it's got like three things. It's like, what bill do you want to pay? How do you want to pay it? All right, let's go. So it's super easy. Anyway, um, it's still kind of cool that you can do it. And I've had this argument with people before. If someone is accepting Bitcoin through a third party, is it still adoption? Is it still Bitcoin getting uh, used for things? And it's a little bit of a philosophical debate. Like, you know, is it is are you still spending U.S. dollars if you're in Europe and they're offering you an exchange rate? Or you're using your bank to pay and it's immediately being converted into euros. I think so, but I don't I don't know for sure. How do you find this any different than, say, a debit card or a credit card? It seems very much like mass adoption to me. No, it's it's not that different. Um, it is, is there a service like this for gold, maybe? Just hypothetically, like... I'm sure that there is my I, like I don't know that, that there is, but I'm sure yeah, that this there sounds, is. That this sounds sense. like totally positive news all around. Yeah, listen, if like you... The example you gave, in my opinion, is pretty on point because if we go, let's say you go to Europe and you're using your card and you could just swipe, eat at a restaurant, buy whatever, groceries, pay for a hotel. And then at the end, somebody's like, did you know that technically you weren't using euros? Your bank was taking your dollars and yeah, I don't care. <laughs> like user experience is all that matters. Can yeah, I yeah. use my credit card in Europe? Okay, then I then that's perfect. Same here. Can I just take my Bitcoin and pay the bills? If you can, then you could pay your bills with Bitcoin in Australia. Great. 
That's cool. Yeah, it's still not eliminating the need for a middleman, uh, which I think is right. one of the primary things that crypto is going to do. But but it is making it easier to use the crypto that you have and adopt it. So anything like that is good. Directly scanning a QR code and sending to a company would be the end result. Hopefully, there's an easy way to do that sometime in the next five years. Yeah, that's that's the other thing, too. If somebody is able to create this company and the business model works then there will probably eventually be a decentralized crypto solution for it. Or some of some of the payment processors will see, like maybe the utility company has such a big contract with this payment processor that they realize they would just be better off accepting Bitcoin because, I don't know, X percentage of their customers are using it. So this is all like those baby steps. It's got to start somewhere. And if this is a good proof of concept, then, uh, then we'll probably see more um, advanced implementations. That don't require middlemen. All righty. And our final story from crypto around the world, it appears there's a group of North Korean hackers that are targeting the crypto space. I can't say that I'm particularly surprised by this, but I'm hoping there's a little bit more detail to this story. Kareem, what do you got? Before Uh, Kareem goes off, I will say you might not be surprised, but I am. Like I picture picture North Korea as like a bunch of like ass backwards people who don't know how to Google. So Kareem, tell us why that's not true. Well, because first of all, that's a ridiculous assumption to make. <laughs> no, I, like I'm not saying country. that isn't like. Oh, do they not know how to Google like, because they're not allowed to yeah. use Google there? I don't understand. Like <laughs> they they aren't allowed but to use no, Google. But what, no, I, what Mike, I mean by that is Mike, like I see them as. First like, of all, do you think that they would have become a nuclear power without Google? <laughs> you know how much stuff they had to Google to make those bombs. <laughs> but the, but Brent, the get nuclear. Serious? No, please. You've been remember. Silenced. Remember their <laughs> nuclear. Their nuclear ability, they didn't even do like they had their picture in the back and it was it was straight lines instead of curved lines. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just I, to me, that was a propaganda like, video. Holy shit, if you're getting hacked by North Korea, like what the fuck? That's <laughs> I, I, you don't hear anything about Cuban hackers going around and getting people, right? Right, all right. Well, listen, let's for find what out. It's worth, yeah, like I'm sure that the the government still has significant resources, uh, even if that's not spread throughout the people. So if they want to focus on hackers, they probably can get some decent hackers. Anyway, this story also has another character. You guys know Kaspersky, the Russian company, software security company? Yes. So apparently they've been tracking this North Korean hacking group called Lazarus. You guys, eh? Yeah, oh, come on. get that name? So so yeah. North Korean hacking groups are picking biblical references for their names of their hacking groups? That's as bad as Icarus wallet on Cardano. <laughs> well, I like Icarus. What's wrong with Icarus? I even He's like too Lazarus. too close to the sun and he died. Lazarus Maybe did the opposite of that. To, I would rather they've called him Lazarus, raised from the, from the dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's true. I get it. I get it. So anyway, uh, Kaspersky's been tracking their activities. And one of the things that they... They basically made their um, investigation of this group public in April because they were able to reveal that they stole $81 million from a Bangladeshi bank. So, Brent, right off the bat, the ROI on a hacking operation was already at least $81 million. (laughs) So that tells you how much money they were probably putting into their hacking operations. Um and they basically used email to get someone in a in a cryptocurrency exchange, it did not name it, to load a malware called Fall Chill. Fall as in winter, spring, summer, fall, and chill as in chill, bro, you got hacked. 
Which, <laughs> so once you load this malware, it opens up a bunch of backdoors in your computer. And since most viruses happen on Windows, apparently these hacking groups figured out that Mac users are sleeping on their security. So they made this uh, Trojan specifically designed for Mac OS. And the software is called Celis Trade Pro, which is a cryptocurrency trading software. And it looks just like a regular trading software. But then inside is that Trojan that we're talking about, that fall chill. And then um, Kaspersky also said that they looked into a couple of things. So the company that makes Celis Trade Pro is called Celis Limited. And the domain for Celis Limited was purchased using cryptocurrency, which they were unable to trace. The headquarters is a ramen shop in Chicago when you actually look at the address. And the address in the digital signatures of the software lead to an address in the middle of nowhere. No house, no nothing. So the moral of the story was be very, very careful with softwares that you download, even if they have like, quote unquote, legitimately looking websites, you know, try to go for very like well-known, reputable companies because you never know what kind of- Who's trying to stick it in the back door. I have a couple. (laughs) That's right. I have a couple things to say here. Number one is I wonder if they were trying to like blame Japan, but like screwed up and didn't realize that like ramen shop in Chicago wasn't the same as like trying to blame Japan and like making an address in Japan. <laughs> For sure, Brent. That had to be it. You're a fascinating <laughs> human. <laughs> the the other actual like serious thing is I wonder if this is a source of some of those API issues that we were having on uh, on Binance. I wonder if the, either Sellish Trade or basically a copy of it was getting API access to people's accounts and then doing this. I wonder if that's like basically the same thing, right? I mean, that, that's what this attack looks like. That? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know the specifics. And even the article itself didn't go into a lot of detail into what they could do. Like, what's the goal here? To just be able to withdraw funds or, you know, sometimes it's just to be able to create confusion, to attack a particular industry, to attack a particular nation state. I mean, whatever. But it was already becoming where uh, hacking is an important area of warfare, obviously, cyber warfare. And obviously, crypto is part of that game now. And there's, you know, yeah, money to be made. I think there's a time in the future where, like, hacking may end up affecting the result of a U.S. presidential election. Like, definitely hasn't happened yet, but there, there, it may happen in the future. <laughs> Did you guys see, I, I don't know if, um, I, I think I covered the story a little bit about the hacking or the hackathon. Remember where like the 14 or 15-year-olds hack into election systems? There was a, one of those kids actually wrote an article where he explains how he went about hacking into a voter database, how he was able to manipulate whatever he wanted. It was scary. And and the kid starts the whole thing by saying, I'm not even that good of a hacker. Like, I'm just oh. not even that good of a hacker. And I <clears throat> was able to get in, like, a butter, a knife through butter. Sorry. So, you know what? Yeah. The, we were about to go to the rant section, and I thought maybe if I, like, said that, it would trigger Kareem. So, <laughs> we don't have any rants. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to poke him a little bit and see what happens. Why am I going to get triggered? Gentlemen, is well, there anything I, else we I, want I to discuss think- today? Uh, no, I don't think so. What do we have coming up? Another Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We're going to be an hour in the R Cryptocurrencies uh, Discord server. Please come in and join that. We we just do the voice chat and we just talk and read and just be ourselves. It was a lot of fun. 
yeah, vote on our next 101 in the Discord. Hopefully, we have a roundtable coming up with Anthony Lusardi from the Ethereum Classic Cooperative. Right? They're cooperative, not collective. Right? Anyway, just see there. And also, we're going to have a roundtable coming up with us where Mike is finally going to pick a topic. I don't think he has yet, so stay tuned. See what that's going to end up being. Ooh, Mike, you better make it good. I already mentioned you what my topic is going to be and fun. who the guest is going to be. What? what? No, I mean, for this week. To, you don't get to steal Anthony's thing and claim it as your roundtable. Oh, really? Oh. Well, maybe James Duffy is yeah. going to do a roundtable on gaming crypto in the future whenever we find time to what? schedule it. Ah. Okay, All well, right. maybe in the future. However, we're talking about next week. So if he's on the schedule for next week, <laughs> I'm in. It's but, in the uh, cards. It, uh, it's in the cards. But yeah, I see what you did there. I believe I believe scheduling conversations are done off air. If you know what I mean. Well, I want to let everyone know what we're getting into, what's coming up. You know, it's important. Give you a peek in the back door. Join our Discord yes, server. First. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go rate us on Give iTunes. Us an honest rating on iTunes. Do what you got to do. Why has Kareem been talking about the back door so much? Honest, because the story about the back door, the hackers. Giggity, giggity. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name was Mike. I was here with Brett and Kareem. Thanks again for tuning in. The members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. They're idiots. This is not financial advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research, especially on things that Brent says. Mm -hmm.